Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today, on one of two episodes that will be coming out in the next 24 hours, myself and Aaron McGowan will be talking about Season 2, Episode 12 of the Crosshair Show. Wait, no, this is the Bad Bat Show, but today we're focusing on Crosshair in a really emotional episode that we'll have so much to say about right after this commercial break. Welcome back, and happy Star Wars Day, everybody. Uh, Wednesdays are pretty much all Star Wars, all day. My uh, social media feeds are, are full of commentary about both The Mandalorian and The Bad Batch. And Aaron, I want to start by just asking you, what do you think of having both of these great shows that we're so invested in coming out at literally at the exact same time? It's, it's a lot. Like, I just don't know where to begin. I mean, I will say yeah. my overall commitment is first and foremost to The Bad Batch. I mm-hmm. watch that right away in the morning, and um, The Mandalorian, like, my whole family really loves that, so I oh, have nice. to wait until the evening so we can all watch it together. Okay, but that it's works. it's kind of nice. We didn't do that last week, obviously, but yeah, it's kind of fun to, like, watch it with, like, my parents who really, oh my god, last week on The Mandalorian, they don't know what Pergil are. They have no idea. Oh, My dad nice. was, like, telling my mom, he was like, oh, this is important, when they were, like, in hyperspace, because he had watched it first, too. And then mm-hmm. there was the pergola, and I was like, oh, my God, space whales. And he goes, no, they're squid. And I was like, I got to shut up right now. Like, I can't say anything <laughs> else about these pergola. Like, I'm so excited to see what the experience for people who haven't seen the animated show is going to be like. Yeah. Uh, well, if you wanted that, uh, if you check out the episodes, I, I wish I could have you on everything. But uh, the episodes I'm doing on The Mandalorian, Ashley Coffin, who's been – she's the co-host of the MCU cast and of Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. She's been with me since the beginning on Mandalorian. She's helping me cover The Mandalorian Season 3, and she hasn't seen those. So we're getting a lot of that great, like, her perspective. So definitely check out those episodes. I ask about it because – I will say, I'm someone who watched both, and in this case, I'm happy I watched The Mandalorian first, because The Mandalorian episode was great, but this episode was so emotionally wrought that I think if I'd watched this first, I wouldn't really have taken in much The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I go on social media, because I like to talk about these things, and there's, I'm jumping back and forth, I'm discussing one, I'm discussing the other. It's kind of fun that Wednesday is just going to be all Star Wars all day, Mm -hmm. but I don't know, I'm kind of... I, I, I'm feeling like I wish they were breaking it up some more. You know, that it was like one comes out Monday, one comes out Thursday. And I know that Wednesday is just the Disney Plus day now for either MCU or Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm curious like what other fans think because I think, I think it's very easily understandable if you totally love it, having both of these out at the same time. I feel like there's so much to digest that I kind of wish we were getting like one couple days break and then the other. Yeah, I kind of agree because like... Just what it's going to look like for me is I'm going to be always watching Bad Batch first because, you know, I'm on yep. the podcast and also, like, I just clones. Um, yep. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just going to look like The Mandalorian taking a back seat for the first half of its season, which is kind of a bummer. You know, I'd love to right. have a day to, like, oh, this is Mandalorian Day. This is Bad Batch Day. But, yeah, yeah same thing. Like, I understand that that's kind of just their day. Wednesday is our yeah. Disney day, you know? Pretty much. I'm also seeing a lot of commentary, and, and to be clear, although I've seen The Mandalorian, we won't be spoiling anything about it today. We're just talking about these two things coming out at the same time. Um, I'm seeing a lot of posts. I, I think it's very natural that now people compare the two, and each week are like, oh my gosh, this week this one was better, that one was better. Oh. And they feel like such different shows to me with such different... Like, I think they do have different audiences, but the audiences overlap quite a, quite a large bit, as both you and I are a testament to. But they're just, they're doing different things. And, and comparing them seems kind of silly to me. And I think having them on the same day encourages that, too. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, why would you compare the two? Like. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. They're just very different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, let's dive into the Bad Batch. That's what we're talking this week. And as I kind of joked about, we, d- we we get an episode about a member of the Bad Batch. This is our, meanwhile, on uh, chop hair, uh, chop hairs, <laughs> crosshairs planet. Uh, what you, would you think overall of this story? Oh, it hurt my feelings. Yeah. I will say every day or every week 
just the Bad Batch makes me like clones more and more. Like every single Wednesday, I'm like, I was already obsessed with them, and now I'm simping even mm-hmm. more. Like I just care yeah. so much, and this show was really hurting my feelings. Mm-hmm. The way you could give us, this is what like the third or fourth time this show that we've been introduced to a character who dies by the end, a clone, and we care. I mean, I I cried when when Mayday died, you know, a character Mm -hmm. who we hadn't met until this episode. And this is like the third or fourth time. And it's just such a testament to the writing, to Dee Bradley Baker's voice acting, to everything about the show that it, and, and we're talking about Crosshair for sure, but just starting with Mayday, like, I got so wrapped up in his story and I could feel his pathos so much about this just horrible situation he'd been placed in and that he he died knowing that he was dying for a cause that cared so little about him. Yeah. Yeah, really sad. And it's just the worst because he was so self-aware of it too, like you said. Like, he knew exactly mm-hmm. what was going on. You know, he had that whole little speech to Crosshair when they found out that the thing that they're guarding on this forsaken planet where Mayday and his men have been fighting raiders for a year just trying to like survive this Hoth-like planet and they don't even know what they're guarding and turns out it's just stormtrooper gear. Right. And they could have been using that for themselves the whole time. You know, Mayday's armor is beaten up. He has it wrapped with like cloth to be warmer. He has a bunch of like repairs on it. Like they are working with the worst of the worst. And if they had just opened one crate, they would have been helped so much. Yeah. And what he says when he finds that is he says, I wish we had had the proper equipment for this. But the Empire ignored... Oh. Nope, sorry. That's the wrong wrong quote. (laughs) No problem. Anyways, he said, new gear for their shiny new military, and we get all the scraps. After all the clones have done, all we've sacrificed. We were good soldiers. We followed orders. And for what? Yeah. And just using that same phrasing that Crosshair has used in an opposite way so much, just like, Mm -hmm. it was the perfect way to drive it home for him. Where it's like, Yeah. yeah, Crosshair, this is someone who does believe the same thing as you. He does believe that he's a good soldier and he believes that he follows orders. This is exactly what you're saying. And no matter how much you believe that and how much effort you put into that, the Empire does not care. Yeah. Yeah, it was really powerful. And uh, that line especially gave me chills. And I like that they didn't show Crosshair immediately responding to it. I, I think he had his helmet on at that time. I don't remember. But... It, like it was so, it was such an on the nose moment that I was kind of glad that we didn't get some big reaction from him because we didn't need it. Like mm-hmm. everyone knows, that's the line that all the clones say when the chip is there. But even for Crosshair, who I think, but but even for Crosshair, who we think no, you know, whatever's happening with his chip, um, <clears throat> he's continued to say it even in non kind of like robotic ways. It just hit so hard. Let me give you a quick episode summary for those who don't remember this episode, if you're listening later or catching up or the like, but, it, but it's a pretty simplistic episode in terms of plot. It's all just about character and how it happens. Um, Crosshair gets called to do a mission. He's going on this mission with other stormtroopers because that, that he's kind of like the, the one clone who's allowed to do that. And they're going with this lieutenant who is clearly the kind of, like, fresh out of the academy. He's never been on a mission before, but he clearly seems to know everything and anything that he thinks is important. And he is very clear that the stormtroopers are good, the humans are good, the clones are bad, and the clones are just flat-out expendable. And from the beginning, they go to this planet to to meet, as you said, the clones who've been guarding these crates, uh, led by this guy named Mayday. There are two. There's, their squad is down to just these three people. Everyone else has been killed. The lieutenant has no compassion, no sympathy. He says that's just all your fault. That's because you're bad clones. Uh, he c- continually talks about you know how how awful the clones are, and to their face, just having no compassion whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> he assumes command, which again is a nice reminder. I at first was confused because Mayday is a commander. This guy's a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. But as I was reminded, uh, it's because as we've already established, like non-clones automatically outrank the same way that like all Jedi outranked all clones all humans as well outrank all clones so a lieutenant can give orders to a commander even the commander would normally be higher um 
Raiders attack their base, uh, and that's where the other clones are killed. So now it's just Mayday of that original squad. And Lieutenant orders Mayday and Crosshair to go back and get the crates that were stolen by these raiders. He says, two people isn't enough. You know, this is going to be so bad for us. And Lieutenant again says, you're expendable. Uh, The two of them go. They have some uh, fighting to do. They rescue the crates, but as, as, uh, as part of the fighting, one of the crates gets blown up. They both get badly injured, and that's when they discover that the, the all that the, they have in, in the crates, as you said, is the gear that they could have been using this whole time, but it's supposed to be reserved for the, the stormtroopers. Uh, Mayday is injured, and he tells Crosshair, you, you go back by yourself, you take the crates back, and he says no, and Crosshair clearly decides that like saving his fellow clone who's a reg, something that Crosshair especially had been putting down uh, back in season one a lot, and, and there's the Bad Batch somewhat. He rescues Mayday. He comes back with Mayday. He asks for Mayday to get medical help, and the lieutenant just literally lets him die and says, this, that would be a waste of Imperial resources. You all are expendable. Even you, Crosshair, are expendable. And that is just the breaking point for Crosshair, and he... You know, in this wonderful moment, he says, Lieutenant, like still holding that place of respect, Lieutenant turns and Crosshair shoots him. And at that point, Crosshair then just kind of collapses. And we'll talk about why that happens. Uh, and, and I thought he might be dead because it fades to black. And certainly you got the impression that Crosshair was pretty badly hurt from that mission as well. It fades to black. My heart stops for a few moments, and then we come back in in some sort of hospital lab type situation with a, uh, a, a scientist or a doctor or a nurse saying to him, so are you Trooper? And she uses both his clone number, but then also uses his name, and then it seems a little compassionate, but also a little like you're kind of a science experiment, <clears throat> and just says to him, well, let, let's see how you do, and you just might live. And that's where we end. Did I miss any big parts? No, I don't think you missed anything big. I didn't write down much as far as, like, the plot. I just wrote down thoughts and little notes about, like, people's names. Like, the other two original members of the Clone Squad, it was Commander Mayday and then Hex and Veach. Right. And I was, I just get so excited every time we get a named clone. I always write it down and I'm like, I can't wait to learn more about them. And then I literally have to write afterwards... Both Dead. killed. Yeah. yeah. It's. Am I right? Have we? We've. We've. Almost all the new clones that we're seeing are all the new clones that we're meeting are new clones, right? We've. We've seen very few clones who theoretically survived or who we knew in the Clone Wars, but who, and then survived Order sixty six, right? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen. I mean, Cody this season. Yeah. Yeah, and Rex, of course. But of course, yeah. <laughs> Which, I can understand if for nothing else than asking D. Bradley Baker to perfectly do a voice that he did 15 years ago out of 35 voices he's done might be a little hard. Mm-hmm. But, although, one thing that I heard, you know clones much better than I do. And granted, it is the same voice actor. He's going to use some of the same intonation somewhat. All of the voices he does are somewhat distinct, but they're all the same voice actor. You know, they're going to blend together somewhat. But is it just me, or did Mayday sound an awful lot like Rex? Yeah, it's pretty similar. To me, he uh-huh. sounded like Rex if he didn't sleep for the entire war. Like, Mayday just sounded yeah. tired. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to put it. Like, he was very calm, he's very down-to-earth, very matter-of-fact. Overall, like, I don't know, he still had, like, a positive energy about him. Mm-hmm. Even though everything about him was so cynical, or everything around yeah. him was so bad and so cynical, he very much had that, like, keep the morale up for the squad, but, like, you can yep. just tell how tired and over it he is. Yeah, he mentions... It, it's a wonderful bookend, because I, one thing I forgot is at the very start, we he, we overhear two clones talking to an Imperial officer, at, mm-hmm. at, and they've clearly been told, you're retired. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, what are we going to do now? We, we, you know, they're upset about this because they want to still be s- soldiers. And Mayday, all he's thinking about now is when I get to go home. 
Yeah. You know, when I get to move past this. And he doesn't say when I get to leave the army. It might be that he still wants to be in the army. But I thought that was a wonderful sort of counterpoint of, first of all, telling us that, that more and more of the clones are being retired and that they're unhappy about it. But Mayday at the other end, he's just ready to go home. But, but as you said also, he is still within the chain of command. He's not... He doesn't like what the lieutenant's doing, and he's not being terribly respectful to the lieutenant, but he doesn't refuse an order. He doesn't shoot the lieutenant. He doesn't demand something different. You know, he's just like, all right, our lieutenant's being stupid and giving us a dumb order. We got to go. But he doesn't question it beyond that. Yeah. Like, he puts up some kind of resistance, you know, like you said, when they he sends them to go find the crate. He says, like, we can't do that with two men. If we're going to do that, I right. need your men. Yeah. And the lieutenant's like, no. He's like, okay. <laughs> I yeah. did my best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and I also wonder there, because as you said, I think part of his loyalty is to his fellow clones, you know? And mm-hmm. it's uh, by the time of that second mission, you know, uh, Hex and Veers are both dead. <clears throat> so it is just him. And then Crosshair. And then he's also willing, like, he doesn't say, you have to take these crates back. That's what's important. I think he's worried that if Crosshair tries to save him, Crosshair will die too. And so he he doesn't know Crosshair. He's just met him this day. But he's still like, no, you go on. You leave me. I don't want you to have to die too. Yeah. Which was very, it was a very important moment. Because at the start of the episode, um... Okay, a little funny thing, but, you know, an ambush happens. Um, We see either Veach or Hex chasing one of the raiders by, like, the shuttle that Crosshair came in on. The shuttle blows Mm -hmm. up, uh, the clone is killed, and Crosshair pulls off his helmet because of some feedback and he can't see well. And then he focuses again through his sniper rifle and shoots the raider. Yep. But... Not to kill. We see, then he goes and he finds blood, which is just funny to me. Like, y'all, we don't bleed from blaster fire. We know that. We should know that. (laughs) And yet you're going to be tracking this man through the snow of Barton 4 by his blood. Okay, sure. Anyways. (laughs) You know, we just are not always the most consistent about that. And that's that's just... uh... Remember, Obi-Wan said that only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise right. with, their, with their shooting. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. there you go. There you go. Yeah. And so then later, Crosshair and Mayday are tracking that guy again to try to find out where did the raiders go? You know, we have to go recover these crates. And they find him dead in the caves. And Mayday says something about I don't know what bothers me more. The fact that his comrades, like, left him to die. Or, sorry, no, he says, I don't know what bothers me more. The fact that he's wearing stolen armor from us or the fact that his comrades left him here to die. Mm. And Crosshair just goes, oh, well, like, no point in carrying dead weight. And Mayday kind of, like, pauses and he goes, remind me not to die on your watch. You're so right. I totally forgot about that line. And yeah, that makes Crosshair carrying him at the end so much more powerful. Mm -hmm. So important. Because, I mean, Crosshair's had that attitude this entire time. Yeah. He's always been about, like, you know, follow orders. If someone falls behind, that's on them. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And again, he's still saying it, but clearly he doesn't quite mean it anymore because he's seeing... The Empire doesn't care. They're not going to reward me for being the only one who survives. They're not going to reward me for being, like, the one who makes it out. So might as well actually start caring about the people around me. Yeah. And because him and Mayday see things so similarly, like we said before, with the good soldiers follow orders, and because Mm -hmm. Mayday has tried so hard to get the proper equipment, you know, he says when he's trying to disarm... Crosshair steps on a bomb, basically. Right after saying, right. there's no point in carrying dead weight, Crosshair steps on a bomb, a pressure grenade or whatever, and Mayday's disarming it in this like kind of MacGyver-type way because he doesn't have the proper equipment. And he says, you know, I wish I had the proper equipment for this, but the Empire's ignored all of my requests, so I've learned to improvise. I guess all the clones have had to after the war. Yeah. 
And yeah, I just liked that. It's mm-hmm. it's Mayday just like showing his resilience and like the lengths he's willing to go. And I think that means a lot to Crosshair of like, yeah, he's kind of just like me. Yeah. Like, go ahead. It, no, finish your thought. Oh, yeah, it's basically just Crosshair seeing we are super similar. And I'm seeing, like, what I'm destined to become if I keep just following orders without yeah. questioning or without looking out for my own good. Like, I waited on Camino for however many days. And mm-hmm. here we are on a frozen planet and it's going to happen again and the Empire is probably not going to help you out. It's so true. And I think there's something so powerful about what Crosshair goes through because I think it is so relatable, you know, and I, I know I felt this as someone with mental illness and, and my queerness and disability. And I've heard this talked about from, you know, people, all sorts of like groups that, that are mistreated that sometimes you can sort of feel that like, if you, if you're the special one, if you're the one who is like, you know, you can really make yourself loved by the, 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 the group that's, that's looking down on folks like you, then, then you'll be okay. Then you'll be accepted and you'll be treated differently. You know, and I've heard, <clears throat> you know, women or, or people of color or other queer people give incredible talks about this idea. And, and when the moment comes, when you realize like that in someone else's eyes, you're still just, you know, part of this group. And I think that's, that's what's happening somewhat for, for crosshairs because he, he, I think he even more than most of the bad batch, so to some extent all of the bad batch, not necessarily like really bad ways, but they always saw themselves as above the regs, you know? And I think he has had a sense of like, okay, whatever's happening to the regs, like I'm still the best, you know, sharpshooter in, in the Imperial Army. Like, I'm not going to get treated that way. I'm going to get treated better than everyone else. And for him to have that, that dual moment of, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just as expendable as they are, and also that helps him break through and have compassion because I don't think it's just him being being self-centered here. I think it's just that he he hates what is happening to Mayday and that that, that realization puts him in Mayday shoes as well, as, as well as Hex and Veers and all the others who are dying. Um, yeah, it, I, I, I knew going into the season, like, I thought it was pretty obvious that we were going to have Crosshair have some moment of breaking away from the Empire, and I knew they had to really do it well, and I think they absolutely gave me what I would have wanted. Yeah. No, it was perfect, because it, like, it would have felt wrong to have Crosshair desert. Yeah. Or just, like be like oh yeah i guess they were right i'm gonna leave now like that just wasn't it's not him and it doesn't make sense for his character but being pushed to the point of where the only option he can see is to take out his anger on Mm -hmm. a commanding officer who has abused him and his brothers so badly makes total sense yeah because he doesn't try to rally the other stormtroopers to his side. He doesn't try to report this guy. He doesn't do anything to try and fix the overall situation. Like you said, it is just this person has quite literally just killed my, my brother officer, my brother soldier. I, I have to just, you know, and it's, you know, it's very cross, crosshairs. Anger doesn't burn hot. It's ice cold, you mm-hmm. know, and so for it to be that very, like, calm, controlled Say the guys, you know, say lieutenant, have him turn around, shoot him. But it's still, you, you can see how much anger there is. It was such a perfect moment for him. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. So why do you think he collapses at the end? Because I, I have a couple of different interpretations of what that could be, but I'm curious, what was your reading of it? Um, My understanding is like... You know, Mayday kind of saved him by pushing him behind this rock during the avalanche that injured them both. And so Uh Mayday was injured worse than him, but he still got flattened by an avalanche and then had to, you know, carry this quote-unquote dead weight over this, like, icy tundra for overnight, you know? And they were sitting there. They had to stop at one point. Oh, my God, it broke my heart. Crosshair, like puts Mayday down against this rock and Mm -hmm. Crosshair's lost his helmet. Mayday still has his. And he just literally like hugged Mayday to him. They just like huddled together like for warmth. Like Crosshair's like shivering so badly. And like we see kind of the sunset and that's the night. And then the next day they manage to make it back to the outpost. Mm 
And so I took it as, like, Crosshair has just been, like, he's exhausted. He's injured. He went through this trauma. He then had to drag someone however many miles or kilometers back to the outpost in these unforgiving, harsh, like, weather circumstances. And he doesn't even have a helmet. So I just took it as, like, probably frostbite, exhaustion, fatigue, you know, like, that's how I took him collapsing. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. There was a small part of me wondering, like, is this supposed to be some, like, last remnant of the chip or something that he's broken what he's supposed to do? I, I don't think that's what it is. I really don't want that to be in any way. I, I think it's what you're saying along with, you know, kind of the, the mental break of, like, what has kept him going through all this, through losing all of his friends, through being around these stormtroopers who don't respect him and don't respect everything he's done is the good soldiers follow orders. That's who I am. That's all of his identity and he's had to sustain that through all of this and now even that is gone you know it it just is that sense of a person who's just like you said physically broken mentally broken like there's just nothing left there and uh in a way i thought the next question that he ever hears being someone asking him his name and and asking him and like do you prefer the number or the name was so perfect because i think he's just to the point where just like i'm really like, I'm glad that he's not like, okay, I have to go find the Bad Batch right now. Everything. I, I think yeah. he just, he doesn't have this new direction. He's he's just done with everything. I agree. Yeah. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have some higher purpose he's trying to fight for. He doesn't even know about the idea of a rebellion or care about it, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. He's just so broken down that, like... I don't think he cared what happened to him after he shot that lieutenant. He probably expected yeah. to be shot down immediately. Yeah, and I think he so true. just didn't care because that man had abused him and Mayday so badly, and he just wanted him dead, and he didn't see anything else worth living for. Therefore, he didn't care about the consequences. Yeah, I think I think that's very true. And I think when he wakes up, he may be just like, "Wait, why am I still here?" Yeah, a bit of confusion. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The last thing I want to ask about is, what do you think of the lieutenant? I mean, I hated him. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm asking because he played the role he was supposed to play perfectly. I had a few moments of wishing he was a little more subtle. Like, his, his evil and his utter disregard for the clones just seemed... If I'm surrounded by people with guns and I keep telling them to their face how expendable they are, I, there's a lack of self-preservation in that. Just a debate. Like, it just, I don't know. I I kind of wished he had been dialed down just like from like 10 to 8, like still just as bad, mm-hmm. but maybe a little more subtle, a little more like you read between the lines to understand who he is. Uh, it, it felt like they had to really hammer us over the head with just how bad he was to justify Crosshair doing what he did. Um, am I am I being too picky here? Or what, what what was your take on him? Um, I mean, I don't know. I You're right. It was very heavy-handed. He was very yeah. aggressive about it. But I also think that we've been seeing a more subtle version of that in Rampart through the entire yeah. show. You know, we've seen the Empire... You know, like I said, abuse and just, like, be so careless with their lives the entire time. Right. And I think you're right. It is a lack of self-preservation. But also, this is his first mission. You know, when he gets there, Mayday asks him, how many missions have you led? And Nolan doesn't respond. And Mayday goes, that's what I thought. (laughs) And Mayday had also said to him, Nolan said some BS about and you will respect me, bah, 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 because, bah, bah, you know. Mm-hmm. And Mayday said, in my experience, respect is something to be earned. Such a good line. Such a good line. And I loved it because then we see that exact thing happen for Mayday. He earns Crosshair's respect. Yeah. And clearly Nolan didn't because <laughs> Crosshair killed him. And so, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. It was super heavy-handed. He has no self-preservation skills. But also, I think it is a kid's show, and maybe in order to, yeah. like, justify a killing two children, they wanted it to be so heavy-handed. Yeah, that's fair. 
I mean, I'm the person who also wanted Pong Krell to be less heavy-handed, so, you know, this oh is just God. my thing in general. Pong Krell like was out so. of control, though. Like, I agree <laughs> on that one. It was too much. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right, well, that's all I had for this episode. Any other kind of last comments you wanted to make? I mean, other than I think we can just make emotional noises for a long time about how good this was and... Right? Um, all the feelings. Yeah, I've got a... You best believe I've got some notes. I've got some things I, to say. I knew you did. Um, I knew first you did. of all, opening scene, we see Crosshair. He's got his toothpick again. I loved it. I just... Yep. It's such a perfect little character quirk for him. Like, chewing on a toothpick. And after um, Nolan comes up to him, sees that there's other clones on the ship, and is like, ugh, like, clones. Crosshair goes, problem? And he goes, yeah, yeah I don't like used equipment. And then Nolan gets on the ship. And Crosshair just flicks his toothpick and follows. And it was so interesting because in that moment, I thought that what Nolan was saying was like, I, and I wonder if this is what Crosshair heard, was I'm talking about the regs. You, Crosshair, you, super soldier, you know, uh, uh, you know, sharpshooter, mm-hmm. you're okay. But it's, it's those that I don't like. Because um, or else it just seems so stupid to say that directly to a clone. But then later we learn that, no, he is that stupid. He is so. that dumb, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was such a good moment. And the toothpick is, it's always been so good. It's always been great. Um, talking about May Day now. Didn't think I liked mullets. I guess I like mullets. Also, okay. his beard, incredible. Like, I love to I- see a luscious beard on a clone. As a person with a with a uh, uh, who lives a bearded life, I am very happy to see more facial hair on the clones. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. He's just so handsome. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful man. I will mourn him for weeks to come. Um, oh, another thing I liked is when they were kind of attacking the raiders' outpost. You know, Mehide had made a comment about having to be more resourceful, and we saw him use. And I think this is for the first time we saw him use two blaster rifles at once. Or I think mm. I think they're called rifles. I don't know, but the normal blaster that clones carry, he used two at once. Right. Where normally we've seen commanders like Commander Cody uses one, Captain Rex uses two pistols. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, yeah, he probably would have had two pistols if he could have. He wants to be like double gunned, and it makes no sense to use two normal guns. Yet he's had right. to improvise, and that's his way of fighting now. And I just thought that was cool. Um, I wrote here, Crosshair really just refuses to die. Because he's, I think he's living on spite alone. Like, there's no way, like, he should yeah. have died, but he's just like, no. <laughs> and, and I think that may be it as well, is that what he's living on is just, I'm following orders. That's what I got to do. Nothing is going to stop me. And that's part of why he just gives up at that very end. Because, yeah, it's, it's the the only thing that's keeping him going is just, just spite at the Bad Batch. And, you know, yep. I'm right, they're wrong. And... Uh, I don't want to psychoanalyze him, but that alone would be enough to, like, drop someone, you know, just, like, if, you, if you've been living on just this spite of, like, I have to show my former colleagues that, like, my former compatriots that I was right, they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And now, like, that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. What else here? Oh, the scientist at the end, her name's Emery. Mm-hmm. She is the same scientist we saw in the last episode with the Zillow Beast. She is the scientific assistant to Dr. Hemlock. So when she said, like, once you recover, the doctor will come. She's talking about Dr. Hemlock. I didn't put that together, but that's Mm -hmm. so good. So so whatever he's in for is more it, it, it. There's more cloning in his future, probably like that. That's the idea might be that they want to make the whole new set of clones based on him, the super Mm -hmm. soldier, instead of just the Django Fett models. Yeah. We're already, like, genetically enhanced to be a lot better than yep. normal soldier. <laughs> yeah, so that's... That'll be interesting. I wonder if we'll see him and Nala say ending up as unlikely comrades or anything like that. Because mm. I don't... I truly don't believe he's going to die like this. You know, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. He's, of course, going to get out. He's crosshair. Everyone loves him too much. There would be riots in the streets. Like... You couldn't just kill him that way. Um, I think we have to eventually have a moment of the entire Bad Batch reunited. Echo coming back and Crosshair coming back. Ugh. My heart would sing. That would be right? so beautiful. Um, yeah. The only other thing I'd written down for this episode was, I just love Mayday. He's, ugh. 
his funny little quips, like when he goes, he gets the bomb, he's pretty sure it's disarmed, and Crosshair mm-hmm. goes to move, and he goes, whoa, whoa, don't get off it yet. I'm going to go. I'm going to hide around that bend. Like, yeah. when I tell you, slowly lift your foot. And Crosshair's like, you don't sound very confident about this. <laughs> and Mayday goes, oh, I'm confident. I'm just not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Which... I, it's funny because I saw the exact same thing happen in Arrow, which I'm rewatching for dubious reasons. Mm-hmm. And it was the scene where the person who does it is like, okay, I'm going to stay here with you and like, I'll guide you through it and I'll hold your hand. I'm thinking, like, why do you both have to die? Yeah. And realizing that I've, I've seen that moment a hundred times and normally the other person stays with them and is like, I'll be here with you. <clears throat> Either we both make it or we don't. And like, there's a nice emotional moment there, but also mm. it's stupid. It and I like no him sense. being like, I'm doing, I've done everything I can to help you. I hope it works. But if it doesn't, I don't want to be dead I'll, too. <laughs> I'll remember you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's about all I had. Um, I mean, I'm not going to shut about, <clears throat> shut up about Mayday for any time in the future. I'll just keep talking about him, but I'll take my thoughts to TikTok rather than making everyone stay here longer. <laughs> you know, we'll direct people to TikTok because it's totally worth seeing. I'm, I'm all here for it. I'm all here for the love of the bearded clones. As well as, to me, I mean, not only did the beard look good, but I thought it was also very symbolic because it was, you know, the clone, like, again, I've never been in the military, but I've known enough people who have been to know that, like, you know, keeping up things like proper grooming and like, you know, keeping yourself shaved and and your hair well kept and stuff like that, that like in really dire situations where discipline is starting to break down or just the sense of like everything is normal, we have to do what we have to do is breaking down, that those are some of the first things to get forgotten, you know, Mm -hmm. and that so to me, the, the moment I saw him having that thick beard, you know, my first thought was like, okay, Things have not been right on this little planet for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that just goes into, like, what I was saying before about he's just so tired. He's just so over it. Like you said, he just wants to go home, you know? Yeah. He makes a comment to Crosshair about, you know, they're coming to get the gear by the end of the week. And then hopefully me and my squad can get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. He's just done. He's just done. Well, this was a great episode as always. Um, for those who are patrons, stick around because we've got a new Shazam movie coming out. Not, not Star Wars connected at all, but like something Aaron and I both love. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit in our bonus content. Uh, but for those who aren't sticking around, Aaron, uh, you mentioned TikTok. Tell us more about your TikTok, your uh, other social media, places where people can find you. Yeah. Um, so I do cosplay stuff on the side. Um most of my TikTok and Instagram tend to be about that. I'm Lady Tano Creates, all one word, all spelled normal, um, both on TikTok and Instagram. I have been on a little like mini hiatus lately because I was on vacation and then I got my wisdom teeth out and I'm just slowly getting back to it. But um, I've had That's some fair. drafts I'm posting, things like that. So if you guys like to hear my thoughts about, you know, the Bad Batch, things like that. I have some other just, like, general nerdy things that I'll give my thoughts on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just a lot of crafting and things that I'm doing with my Ahsoka cosplay. Go ahead, follow along, see what I'm up to. Yeah, it is awesome stuff to check out. Definitely check that out. For myself, also, I have a big announcement I want to make. This podcast was started, and uh, everything I've been doing up till now has been part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. It's an amazing network of podcasts. The MCU cast, which I often talk about with Matt Carroll and Jeff Randall, is kind of the flagship of that. Uh, And it has been a fantastic place for this podcast to be birthed and grown. And I'm so proud of all the great things I've gotten to do with them. And I will still continue to have nothing but love in my heart for that podcast network and and all the people involved. Uh, But we are making a move. Uh, TrueStory.fm, which is uh, another great podcast network. It's the one that does the Marvel Movie Minute that I've guested on a bunch of times. They also have the uh, the 80s podcast that I've been a part of. This podcast, as well as my other podcast, Superhero Ethics, are both going to be moving over to there. Um, it's just a better fit in a lot of ways for the, the kind of direction that I'm taking this podcast. Again, nothing but love for Stranded Panda. I'm going to still have that, some of those folks on as guests. I'm going to still guest on some of their shows. 
Everything is happy and copacetic there. It's just going to be a little bit of a better fit. For you, the listeners, if all goes well in technical land, nothing should change. Uh, You should still be getting the same RSS feeds that you are. The same websites will still be working. Uh, If you do not get... If you hopefully you're hearing this episode, if you do not get next week's episode, please contact us. Email Matthew at superhero at sorry, Matthew at theethicalpanda.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, all the links are in the show notes. Let me know, and that'll let me know there's a technical problem. I don't think it'll happen. I think all that will will handle as it is. For the patrons, um what you've been paid so far, you're gonna keep all the membership benefits you get. Uh, True Story FM has a membership program, and so I'm going to be shifting over to that from Patreon. But all of you will get, you know, carried over in. Uh, those of you who are going to be getting uh, free merchandise because you're at that level, you will still be getting that. We're going to do those send out in June when we're halfway through the year. For anybody who's been thinking about being a patron, I really, of course, always want your support. This is the only time I'm going to say hold off for a week or two. Uh, I want to get the membership program up and going fully and then have you sw- uh, have you sign up there instead of as a patron. But pretty much everything is going to stay the same in terms of benefits, all that kind of stuff. So uh, thank you all for all your support. And of course, most importantly, though, uh, forgetting about all that, I just want to let know, what do you think of this episode? What do you think? Was this the right way to give us this moment in Crosshair's journey that we all knew was coming? Uh, what do you think of Mayday? What do you think of Lieutenant? Send us feedback. You can send it to Matthew at theethicalpanda.com. You can also find us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Facebook, basically by searching for The Ethical Panda, but you can also just look at the show notes. All those links will be there. Uh, so to our patrons, hang out just a few moments, and we will get into the magic of Shazam. For everybody else, thank you so much, and have a great day. All right, so switching rather radically, going away from the world of uh, space wizards and instead going into the world of terrestrial wizards, uh, <laughs> Shazam, the second movie's coming out. Uh, you mentioned, you asked me if we were going to be covering it. I'll say, actually continuing my support of the Stranded Panda Network, uh, we're not going to do full episodes of it on superhero ethics because they will be doing a full episode about the new movie on Binger's Assemble. I believe they've done a full episode on the first Shazam movie, but we'll just for our bonus content spend a few moments talking about the the original movie and what we think of the next one. So, uh, yeah, starting with the Aaron, what what what's your thoughts on the first Shazam movie? I really liked it, and I will say I don't watch DC films. Like, mm. it's not something that's up there in importance to me. Like, I've never seen The Dark Knight, which I know I should. Like, I know those are genuinely good films, but I just. If anyone Have listening is a big The Bad Batch fan and wants to be our co-host, because apparently I've just Oh lost my god! <laughs> Batman is always going to be my first love, and I think The Dark Knight is one of the best movies ever made. But Okay, uh, I, I will I, watch I, it. <laughs> I'm not saying you need to. I'm just saying my soul was hurt for a few moments, but I've moved on. I'm on my old man... I'll, I'm on my old person nonsense again. I'll, I'll move on with my life. Go on. Keep talking. <laughs> no, it's all good. I deserve some disrespect for that. I'm going to be honest. Like, I can't be this into nerdy stuff and not have seen Batman. <laughs> have you at least seen uh, the Batman? Robert Pattinson's The Batman. The new yes. one that came out. Yes. Okay. I okay. saw that one. Um, Zoe Kravitz is amazing. She's so hot. Um, I'm obsessed. There's just it's too really many hot people in one movie. But really good film. Um yeah, I've seen, like, the Suicide Squads, too. I don't know. Like, I've seen, like, a few okay. movies here and there. But, like, I just never was into Superman. Um, the Dark Knight, I was a little too young when it came out. So, like, it That's was fair. deemed too fair. scary for me. Um, and I just haven't gotten to it. But I know I should. I've played, like, the Arkham Asylum games. Those are fun. I mean, there, and there you get uh, Kevin Conroy, who is, I think, generally regarded uh, as one of the best, if not the best, Batman, voices Batman in those. Mm-hmm. And Mark Hamill for the Joker. Yep, yep, who is amazing. Truly amazing. And, and I, I will say, as much as I, like, I'm much more of an MCU fan these days, but I do love a lot of the stuff DC does. Um, I'm not going to try and start a fight here, so I will not give <laughs> editorial comments. I'll just say many people love the Zack Snyder interpretation of the Superman, Batman, part of DC Universe. I do not, um, Zack Snyder. So I'm never going to push you to watch the Zack Snyder movies, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, but yeah, so back to Shazam. Back to Shazam, yes. <laughs> Which is, I will say, 
somewhat different in tone from the Dark Crusader and some of the other, like, dark, dark, darkness of the Zack Snyder movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, being that I don't watch DC, the thing that pulled me to this movie was Zachary Levi, the main character. Yeah. Um, I have loved him for years. Um, I mean, he was entangled. Incredible in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. Also, though, he was in the show Chuck that came out. Yes. You yes. watched that show? I lo- To me, Chuck is what... The Big Bang Theory, I think, is a show about nerds by people who make fun of nerds. Mm-hmm. Chuck is a show about nerds by nerds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chuck is just... It's a great show. It's about... Zachary Levi's this nerd. He somehow gets a supercomputer downloaded into his brain, and now he's working with spies, and he has no idea what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's just this lovable goof. Um, and yeah, I just really fell in love with him and his acting. And when I saw he was going to be in a superhero film, I was like, heck yeah. And also... This is going to show my age a lot, but um, the guy who plays the younger version of Shazam, um, what's his name, Billy Batson, mm-hmm. the actor's name is Asher Angel, and he was in, like, one of my favorite Disney Channel shows. Like, I know, I know. Um, but I, There is no judgment on my <laughs> face. I am passively taking in this information. <laughs> like, I really connected to that actor because it was the first time I had seen, like, a character in a Disney Channel show have a panic attack. Like, his character oh, wow. experiences that. And, like, that was something I'd never seen expressed in, like, a lighthearted show or, like, media like that that I was watching at the time. And mm-hmm. so I really connected to him as an actor, too. So when I saw both of them, I was like, I have got to see this film. Yeah. So I watched it in theaters when it first came out. Really liked it. Let's talk about the actual film itself now. <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel a need to say... Zachary Levi is someone who, um, there's been a lot of discussion about him, some some comments he's made on social media, uh, you know, putting down vaccines and uh, other stuff. I haven't dug too far into it. I don't think he's the greatest person in the world. I'm not sure I would be super excited to go see a new thing that he's doing now. But yes, I utterly fell in love with Chuck and I watched Shazam not knowing any of that yet because of him. And and I think he's phenomenal in this and I think he'll probably be phenomenal in the next movie. He he really is good at that. Like, because in Shazam, he's playing... It's like the movie Big with Tom Hanks that mm-hmm. you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. It's from the 80s. But, um, he, like... You know, where the actor is playing a 12-year-old who just looks like a 30-year-old. Mm-hmm. And Zach Levi has such that, like, boyish charm and wonder about himself that I think he plays that perfectly. Yeah. No, it was really good. It's I was watching the movie The First Shazam with my parents just a little bit ago, like, last week. And my dad was sitting there, and he was like, this is so stupid. Like, why is he so stupid? I was like, Dad, he's 13. Like, I know that's an adult, but he's 13. Of course he's going to do dumb stuff. Of course they're making videos about his superhero powers and posting it on the internet. Is that stupid? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, you know, they're kids, and they're just trying to be, like, with the times. So I just thought that was funny. I liked that a lot. It's just, you know, a fun and different trope for, like, a superhero. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was fun. And I'll also say, having watched now a lot of the Young Justice show, in which there's a really fun dynamic where, because Shazam, most people just think of him as an adult hero. They don't know that he's secretly a 12-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. and Or 13 or whatever it is. Uh, I think actually they say 14. Yeah, you're uh, right. He, he seems to me much younger than that. But I know that like 12 to 15 is when like some people hit puberty, some people don't. So you can be like a very young 14 or a fairly old 14. So I guess it works. But... In the Young Justice show, which is all about these, especially season one, these teenaged heroes who are so upset that the adult heroes don't treat them as adults. And so Shazam is in this really, when when a couple of them figure out that Shazam is actually a kid themselves, Mm -hmm. but he gets let into the adult Justice League stuff. There's just a whole great dynamic there. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I will say the second, I'm someone who, and I know this is weird for someone who talks all about superheroes and science fiction, you know, war movies and the like, I don't really love fight scenes, and especially I don't love, like, people punching each other fight scenes Mm -hmm. when they're all CGI, which this is pretty much all it is, because they're pretty much always fighting against, you know, either this other superhero guy, the doctor, or these, like, the the manifestations of the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. Um... 
And I think the first time through, I found it really charming because it was, you know, all of his people in the foster care family get their special powers and they all get their own little moment. The second time through, I was just really bored with the fight scenes Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought they went on way too long. But I still, there's still still so much that is so charming about this movie that I still, it's still probably in my top five of DC movies that have come out. Yeah. I agree. But for me, it was flipped. Like the first time I saw the movie sitting in theaters, I was like, when is this fight scene going to end? Like, Mm, it's still going. And then when I rewatched it with my parents, because I kind of had perspective and knew how long the movie was, it kind of seemed to move faster. And because I remembered thinking it was so long the first time, it just seemed to move faster for me. Um, I'm glad at least we're on the same page that there was a lot of very long fight scenes. Yeah, like, I was just like, and Dr. What's his name? Sivion? Sivain, something like that. Somebody. But I was like, he is still just punting Shazam across the city of Philadelphia. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they are just flying and then getting punched into the ground and then punched through the ceiling. And yeah. Yeah. But um, I really actually really liked him as a villain. I thought he was a really cool villain. Yeah. The idea of like this kid who's just been like beaten down and like mistreated. And so, of course, he's going to like hyper focus on something so bad he just wants power he just wants respect yeah and these seven deadly sins have told him like we can give you everything you want mm-hmm. and i loved how at the end of the movie we saw that the seven deadly sins were just using him he was never yeah. the one in control because the reason they're able to defeat him is they have to draw out all the seven deadly sins in order to make him bleed to make him punchable yeah. And the last one inside was Envy, really telling. But um, the way Shazam got him to come out is saying, like, oh, like, I know we have the other six. Like, the big guys are out to play. But, like, little Envy is just scared, hanging out inside. Like, Envy doesn't want to come out and fight. Yeah. And we see the doctor, like, fighting it. He's like, no, no. And Envy, like, pushes himself out, like, turns the doctor's face into his own. The doctor pushes him back for a second. And then Envy fully pushes himself out to attack Shazam. And that's how they're able to defeat the Doctor, is because of Envy's Envy. And I just yeah. thought that was really cool. I liked that little bit of writing. Yeah, I thought it was really good, especially the way that the Doctor just... He's in midair, and the Doctor loses all powers and just drops. Mm-hmm. And Shazam's able to catch him. And it made him... I mean, this is obviously much more of a kid's movie, and so... <clears throat> he's not a very emotionally complex villain as the villain... But it makes his origin story really powerful because it's he is the kid who gets bullied. And I think there's a real there's clearly a real parallel in that, um, you know, what happens to to uh, is it Thad? Yeah. Thaddeus is his name. Thad. Thaddeus. Like he's got this awful father who, when his older brother is bullying him, the father is like encouraging the older brother and saying, like, come on, if you're a real man, you can fight back. And he's like, and then. Yeah, exactly. And then, so that's really awful. And then this wizard, who's completely a jerk, just, like, kidnaps him to this weird mystical realm, gives him this test that, you know, literally the seven deadly sins are whispering in his ear. I don't know if I could, like, I think very few people feel like, you know, could be. And I think part of the point is that the wizard eventually, he doesn't test Billy Batson because he kind of has realized no one is as pure as as heart as the wizard's looking for. So... Because you, you see all these people who uh, the doctor has gathered together who all had this experience uh, and were not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so the wizard, like, rejects him, tells him these things about, like, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be pure of heart. And then just puts him right back into this moving car where he's totally freaked out. And it causes this, you know, bad problem with him and his family. And the car crashes and his father's really badly injured and loses his legs for the rest of the movie. Um I don't really love the you're now disabled and so like that's the horrible like in some in my memory the older brother had died and I thought Mm. that that was the thing that the father blamed him for having it be that he becomes disabled excuse me I I didn't love quite as much but still I totally get that it's like it's one more thing that the father has always blamed him for Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make what he does okay but it it, to me it's that that you know uh, you may have uh, th- uh, there's a uh, 
let's try that again. You know, in um, an older comic book that also got turned into a movie, the movie's not great, but, but at least captures this idea of it, uh, the killing joke, the Joker at one point, the sort of whole point of it is that every good person is one bad day away from turning into a villain. And I, I think part of the, the, the point of the book is that, like, it, that's not always true, but I think in some cases it definitely is. And for Thad, like, of course it is. Like, if you... I'm not sure that if I went through all the things he went through that I wouldn't have gone down a somewhat similar path. I really hope I wouldn't. But, and I think the movie does a great job of showing that because while Billy Batson doesn't go through quite the same thing, he he's abandoned by his mother in this really horrible way and then meets his mother again, who again, you know, abandons him again a second time. Yeah, like restates he, that it was purposeful. He didn't lose her. She left him. Yeah, exactly. And like, She's a teen mother. I, I have some sympathy for why she did that, but I also think that from his perspective, it's horribly, you know, traumatizing. Yeah. And and then you see him start to become a jerk and start to become a bully and start to forget about his friends and do all these terrible things. And I thought that was such a good way of showing that, like, you know, a lot of times the perspective is, well... In a bad situation, the bad person will go bad, but the good person will stay good. And here, I felt like Billy started to go down a similar path, and it's his friends rallying around him, his family, that kind of pulls him back. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, it makes the, the Thad story, I thought, so much more powerful. Yeah, like really the only difference between them is the people around them supporting them. Thad yeah. had no one, and Billy somehow ended up with these people who weren't willing to give up on him. Yeah. 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 And I also say, I, the idea of the people who weren't really... The people who weren't willing to give up to him was another thing I loved about the movie because I'd never really thought about this until my sister started trying to become a foster parent. And so, like, through her, I was learning a lot more about the system and I've met other foster parents. Most of the time, if a foster family is shown in a movie, they're horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the... Or the kid is being is in a foster home and the foster parents are abusive and the foster parents just want the money and they aren't treating the kid well. And I hadn't really thought about how new it was to see a foster family, these two parents who truly love these kids. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, one of them's going off to college, they're supporting her, they're gonna miss her. You know, one of them has, you know, got a disability and they're doing everything they can to support him. Like they're just wonderful parents for this beautiful, mismatched, put-together family. Mm-hmm. And and I it, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the movie, both because it's just beautiful to watch, but also because we so rarely see that with a foster family. Yeah. And the fact that they were both foster kids, I yeah. thought was really beautiful. Because, like, they, I mean, yeah, they saw a problem in the system and they did what they could to fix it. Yeah. And I think the movie kind of clowned everyone into thinking this is going to be the same foster situation where you know they bring him in they seem so nice welcome here's your little sister here's the home like let's show you to your room they bring him upstairs they're like freddie's gonna be your roommate we'll let you settle in and they shut the door and freddie turns them and he's like it's not what it seems it's hell here like you're looking out that window it's a far drop trust me i would know and like kind of refers to his like bum leg and billy's like oh my god and then Freddie's like, nah, man, like, I'm just kidding. Like, it's no big deal. I'm a terminal cancer, I'm a terminal cancer patient. Like, I got three months to live. And he's like, what? And then Freddie's like, nah, man, I'm playing with you. Like, you're taking everything too seriously. Yeah. It was so good. Cause yeah, you're right. I, I was totally clowned by it. And yeah. because we know he's run away from all these other foster homes. And it's mostly to get back to his mother. Mm-hmm. But I think the implication is also because they're not great places. And, and I want to be clear, there is a lot of bad things that happen in the foster care system mm-hmm. and but I think the overwhelming majority of foster parents are wonderful people who are doing their best in a very broken system and and yeah so the fact that like they, they literally do that misdirect to us knowing that that's what we're used to and, and everyone's just expecting this, it yeah this wonderful family it was just such a nice touch to the movie mm-hmm. I think that's about all I got to say anything for you anything in particular you're hoping for or, or, or thinking about for the next movie Hmm. Not really. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm just super excited to see more like Freddie and Billy. They're the cutest little best friends. Like they really are. There was one moment in this movie where um, Billy was gonna like 
give up his powers and therefore Thad was going to kill him kind of a thing. And Freddy was like, no, no, don't do it. Like, you're you're my best friend. Like, you can't die. Yeah. And that was just, like, really sweet, you know, even though for a lot of the movie, Billy was kind of rude to Freddy. You know, he let him get beat up by people. He abandoned him. But at the end of the day, like, Freddy is still just so accepting of him. And, you know, Billy feels the same way we see as at the end. Yeah. I'm just excited to see more of their little friendship, the things they do together, the way the way that Shazam or Billy No, it was Shazam, clowned them all at the end of the movie by mm-hmm. he takes the eye out of Thaddeus and he's looking at it and then he's like, What? You can give me all the power. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, and like pretends he's gonna like shove it in his eye and he's like, Got you like I'm not gonna put a globe in my eye. That's so gross. Like Yeah, he's still a kid. He loves yeah. that stuff. And I I'm especially looking forward to it because you know, for most of the movie, like you said, they were getting bullied, especially his friend. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I just forgot his friend's name again. Freddy. Freddy, thank you. I keep going to Frankie. <laughs> you know, for most of the movie, the two of them are getting bullied, especially Freddy. And for Freddy, it's in part because he claims that Shazam is his friend and has mm-hmm. proven that everyone thinks he's proven a liar. So the fact that the movie ends with Freddy having lunch not only with Shazam, but with Superman. Superman. Um, I'm I I really am looking forward to seeing like see are they kings of the school now yep. like what's that going to be like so yeah that's going to be fun all right well thank you as always Aaron this was your idea I really appreciate the thought thank you to everybody for listening in want to know your thoughts on Shazam we'll be back to something more Star Warsy next week uh, and most importantly have a great day. Mm-hmm.